All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to this week in Marvel, episode number two hundred and fifty-three. Are we sure it's two hundred and fifty-three? You better believe we are not sure. All right, we just had this conversation. Taking intern Josh's word for it, yep. he thinks it's two fifty-three. It's what Alex printed on the page, guys. It says so wow. on our sheet of paper that Alex Lopez works on lovingly for us every week. Yep, seven more episodes until we hit kind of the five-year official mark. Yeah, right? Think about know. it. Yep. 260 divided by 12 is a thing? Just let it happen. All right, cool. And, 260. Um, so seven weeks away. So <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this is the official Marvel podcast of all news. New releases, comics, uh, chatting. Comics. Comics and chatting. Going to talk about some comics today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, Editorial Director of Marvel Digital Media. Oh, and there's Josh. So Josh is over there in the corner. How much longer are you with us, Josh? Two whole weeks. Two whole weeks. Two big weeks. Yeah. You're not going to make it to uh, episode 260, uh-huh. which we've just determined is the most important episode <laughs> in the history of the This Week in Marvel podcast as of uh, now. Right? Yeah. 52 weeks, and then, you know, you times that by 5, that's 260, and uh, that's the is big that definitely bang. 52 times 5 is 260? So we're going to keep going. <laughs> and um, what else is going on? No, you're right, it is. I know. I know. I, know. I didn't want didn't to dwell on the simple math, Okay, but that's fine. It's not, it's not that simple. Those that, are like double. That is, those are double is, and triple digits. That is. They're tough. That's baby math. I was, baby I math. was, an, I was an English major. I was a mathlete. As I shuffle just, these papers, yeah, just uh, very proud of that fact. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, nothing to be ashamed of. Don't sleep on athletes. Right, and like, uh, don't sleep on Kevin Owens. Very excited about Kevin that. Kevin Owens, the new WWE Universal Red Belt Champion. What do you think of the belt? <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I don't have an issue with it either. I, like, it's it's great. I like the uniformity of the belts. I, think I wish they cool. had interesting names instead mm. of the smackdown championships yes. i would rather it to be like the you know congressional medal of honor champion yeah tag team championship the television tag team championships oh, I love a television wouldn't that be great title. yeah yeah how about them headbangers on tv they look good yeah it looks real good yeah it was a good week for wrestling i actually watched raw and smackdown semi live uh this week i just crawled in the bed and dvr'd and mon and you know yeah just, just sidled up to my pillow. It's great. And went to it. And I uh, AJ Styles oh, crushing it right now. He's so good. Probably my favorite right now. I, usually I say Seth Rollins is my default favorite guy. I think AJ has overtaken him. Yeah, for me. AJ for sure. Uh, and I caught up on a bunch of CWC. Oh, cool. Uh, over the weekend, I'm one behind still. So right. I have a, I know I have a Johnny Gargano TJ Perkins match awaiting me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a good match. It was a very that. good match. Um, who is the Englishman with the mustache? Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher. I had is a feeling my you would love him. Favorite. I yeah. love him. I had a feeling you would love him. He's so good. If you're not wrestling fans and you listen to this, like, oh, please, I gotta fast forward. This guy is a delight. He will make you enjoy wrestling. Did you? Uh, obviously, you watched his match with Akira Tozawa 
where he tied him up in a knot oh. and just left him on the mat. Yep. That was a highlight. Yeah. Good times Beautiful. for wrestling. Good times for wrestling. And uh, good times for wrestling means good times for the This Week in Marvel podcast. I was going to say good times <laughs> for comics as well. Oh, yeah. Better time for comics. Yeah. And of course, we've got a whole bunch of comics to discuss yeah. right now. A buttload yep. starting with all new Wolverine Annual number one. Written by Tom Taylor. Art on this annual is Marcio Takara and Matt Lopez. Uh, and it opens up, essentially, with Laura throwing herself out a window. Which she does. is weird. Uh, but we find out there's been a little bit of a switcheroo. Uh, you've got Laura, who is Wolverine. She gets thrown, her consciousness, her essence, her soul, whatever you deem yeah. that business, her mind yeah. is gotten thrown in across dimensions into uh, Gwen Stacy, a.k.a. Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen. She is now uh, in Laura's body. Laura is Uh-oh. in her body. It's a whole big thing, and it's a delight. Uh, it's inter- interdimensional hootie hot. You know? Uh, it's, it's really funny because Laura doesn't realize the strength that she has oh. when she's in Gwen's body. Uh, Gwen doesn't realize claws. that... There's a scene with the claws yeah. that is a bonkers. It's huh. great. Uh, you've got Reed Richards from Earth 65, which is Spider uh, Spider Gwen's universe. Uh, you've got uh, so <laughs> you've got Wolverhampton, yeah. which uh, is a Wolverine pig yeah. that only that only Gwen in Laura's <laughs> body. Can, I'm just trying. I'm trying to make sure I get the 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 phrasing right. It is. Great. Uh, of course, Jonathan is in this. Of course, Gabby is in this. There's tons of really fun stuff. Uh, but they have to go. They have to team up, Gwen and uh, Laura, to figure out how this all came together. Who did this to them? Why this happened? Uh, and they track down this person. And there's uh, some discussions. There is some vomiting. Uh, there is some snicting. Uh, and there's some interesting stories and a callback to uh, Enemy of the State. Mm, and we're uh, going to have Enemy of the State number two, two coming up very soon, so that's very appropriate. Sure, sure. Uh, and, you know, it's great. I love, 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 love All New Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And this annual was like two issues in one. Icing. Fantastic. Icing on the cake, baby. Yeah. Uh, speaking of more icing on the cake, Amazing Spider-Man number 17. Leading into the big Dead No More event, written by Dan Slott, art by R.B. Silva, we focus in on Francine Fry, who you may remember as the supervillain groupie who Electro killed by accident back when his powers were out of control. She's been resurrected by the Jackal and his crew. She is super excited to become a supervillain. Uh, she wants to work with Rhino and Lizard and all her favorites. You know, she's She was always a supervillain collector, a supervillain groupie. On the other side of the equation... We have Hobie Brown, the Prowler, who has been subbing as Spider-Man for um, Peter Parker so that people won't catch on to Peter's identity. He actually does some prowling in this issue, meaning he's going back to being the Prowler. He is looking into the new technology that Peter wants to use to heal up his Uncle Jay uh, and that he, as we've seen from last issue, is already used on one of his employees. Prowler ends up against Rhino, Lizard, and the new Electro, uh, who is Francine Fry. Talked about her before. Lots of cool stuff going on. Uh, lots of cool new uses of powers. A little bit more revealed about the Jackal's plot 
and some allegiances shifting as we head into the big event. Yeah, um, this is probably my favorite issue of uh, the series so far. Maybe? It's really good. It was, I loved it. And it like was going this way and that way and zigging and zagging and all kinds of fun stuff. And that art on this issue, RB Silva is very is good. Dope. Yeah, he just did um, one of our Max Ride books. Yeah. I think this is his first kind of Marvel superhero book, and he crushed it. Crushed. Great job by RB Silva. Yeah. Um, also worth noting, there's barely any Spider-Man in this book. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much a Prowler book with Electro as the villain, and it's great. It was terrific. And we've got a Prowler book coming up in Marvel now. So who's doing? This that? is a nice primer. Uh, I know Sean Ryan's writing it. Yeah, cool. I who's drawing it? Terrific. All right, on to our next book, which is Astonishing Ant-Man. 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 Number eleven. Written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Jordan Boyd, and uh, this is the story of a girl, a girl who you're already singing that earlier. I was singing it. I yep. don't know why. It's been, it's been in everyone's head ever since. Good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's the story of a girl who cried a river and cried the whole world. Who who's saying that? No, nah, that doesn't make any sense. Who, who's saying that? Absolutely. Uh, that's absolutely the name of the band. What? Pretty sure that it's just called. That, absolutely. No. Josh is full of uh, BS. I had, uh, I had some friends who went to a Toad the Wet Sprocket concert a couple weeks ago. Nice. Oh, that's the right? name of the song, I think. Darn it. I yeah, you failed, yeah. Josh. And for some reason, I brought up Silverchair. Remember Silverchair? Yeah. I they had long hair. I remember Silverchair, but I can't remember any songs they did. It was money. Yeah. Something like that, maybe? Yeah, no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's anyways. About right. So astonishing good, good Ant-Man, segue number eleven. This is the story of him in uh, jail, really. Yep. Of uh, Scott Lang, his time in jail. We saw how he got arrested, which finally got us to that point. And now we get to see all the things that are going on with him and with the uh, supporting cast. Uh, really get a uh, fun scene with Grizzly and um, what's his name? Machine Smith. Machine Smith. There's a delightful bit of business with them. There's cool stuff with. Um, uh, his daughter Cassie, Cassie, and uh, Darla. Yeah, you know, Darla's in there too. Power broker. Power broker. Uh, there's a really funny thing with him and a new app and a new, you know, a whole bunch of business. It's just like everybody who's been in the book gets these great fun moments. Um, we're gonna see what that leads to for Scott to hopefully get out of jail. Over in Carnage number eleven, the carnage continues. Uh, it's written by Jerry Conway, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Andy Troy. The crew has tracked Carnage to an island in the Timor Sea. He is in the jungle. We actually don't see a lot of Carnage in this book. It's more focused on the people who are hunting him as they have various quirks and transformations among them. You get to see some Toxin. You get to see some Man-Wolf. You get to see the new symbiote, um, whose name is... Club, Club Door. It's not Club Door. Kangle Fist. On the recap page. Raze. Oh. R-A-Z. She's after them. Toxin fights a bunch of uh, these creatures who Carnage has left in his wake. Man-Wolf gets in on some of the action. Even Jubilee has some powers. So it's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, really, the star here is Mike Perkins' art. Oh, Just gorgeous. Just amazing. Uh, Andy Troy's colors really help bring it out. Of course, Sherry Conway's story is a lot of... Uh, I'm not going to say fun. It's not fun. <laughs> it's the opposite of fun. It's, uh, it's a it's great gory read. And gross. But it's a great read. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare, as this book has been from start to finish. Love it so much. Uh, all right, Civil War Tooch. 
choosing sides. Choosing five. sides of our life all around. That's an original. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's beautiful. Thank this you. has been this week in singing. Yeah. Uh, all right, choosing sides uh, number five. We've got three stories. Of course, we've got our Nick Fury post prologue tale, which uh, gets to a big moment as Nick Fury meets someone I don't want to name because I don't want to spoil it. Ooh. But it leads to a really cool fight. You're, so you're, you're wearing a shirt that spoils everything, and you I don't want to spoil this little thing. Yeah. But this is for, you know, people on the street to get really sure. annoyed. On the streets. Uh, in the podcast, we want to keep it real. Yeah. No uh, spoilers. So we've got that. It's a great story. We've got a Colleen Wing story. Which I take issue with it being called a Colleen Wing story because it's really a Misty Knight story. It's a Colleen and Misty story. Yeah. There's I a, there's it's a, definitely not solely a Colleen Wing story, though. Fair enough. Uh, who edited this book? <laughs> Tell me who edited this book. Is it Charles? Charles. Uh, yeah, Charles. Charles Beecham. and Will. And what Will. are you guys doing? Disc tisk. Get it together. Yeah. Um, well, actually, Chris Robinson did the Colleen mm, story. Good Chris old Chris. Ro- Chris Robinson, right yeah. next door. Yep. Screwing things up. <laughs> uh, so the Colleen story written by Enrique Carrion, art by Ana Paolo Martello, and I probably butchered those, butchered those names. No, that so sounds apologies. right. Uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. But super cool because we get to see uh, Misty and Colleen together. They've had a rift. There's also this character, Ben. Did, is this character um, the new? This this hunt stalker yeah, guy. Yeah, the hunt stalker. I have not seen. I him don't before. know if his name is hunt stalker. He says I am a hunt. He's stalker. a hunt stalker. Yeah. Um, he is a new character as far as I am concerned. I dug him. Just an old wizard dude. Man thing, existing character. Yep, I'm familiar. I'm familiar. You know uh, all about man thing. Yeah. Love man things. Yep. Um, we've got that. We've got Howling Commandos action here. Stake. So it's good to see those characters being still used. going. Love it. Uh, and you know, anytime you give me Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, I'm gonna be happy. And then uh, we also have an Alpha Flight story, which Rick- is kind of not an Alpha Flight story. <laughs> this book is just full of you know just false leads and uh, Alpha Flight is in this. Alpha Flight's in Two it. Two versions of Alpha Flight, if you Al- look at it. Alpha way. Flight is in the book, but I would say the primary character is not a member of Alpha Flight, and another prominent Marvel character has as much screen time as Alpha Flight. So riddle me that. So the Alpha Flight story is written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon Perez. Beautiful art. Yeah, it's amazing. I More Ramon Perez, please, all the time. Uh, but this is the big issue that uh, Prime Minister of Canada... Justin Trudeau is appearing in. Yeah. And we made a big deal about it. Uh, he is the Internet's favorite prime minister, it seems. People love him and his his muscles and all his fun, exciting doing who's daring British, Who's the British prime minister? Uh, Tony Blair? No. No? He just... Cameron? No, they, they just Cameron? had the whole Brexit business. And oh, so right. So he's went not into doing a tizzy. so well. Uh, I forget the lady's name who's now... She's had better days, though. Sure. This guy is where it's at when it comes to prime ministers. Yeah. Uh, so they're in Ottawa, uh, which is in Canada. Ottawa. Ottawa. And we get to see Justin Trudeau talking with Alpha Flight, Puck, mm-hmm. and Aurora. Is that Sasquatch. Her? Yeah, and Sasquatch. Uh, they're all, you know, familiar and chippy cheery. Mm-hmm. But he has some, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Well, what's, uh, hey, uh, tell me about what you're doing. That's my Canadian That's accent. Canadian, great Canadian. Yeah. Because hey, you said, you heard A. Yeah. There's an A in there. Tell me about what you're doing, eh? And, uh. <laughs> hey, Tony. <laughs> Tony Mama Luke. Come Tony on Mama down Luke. in uh, Toronto. Yeah. Anyway, 
there's this great little scene with them, but then it really leads to Justin Trudeau with his dear good friend Tony Stark. Yep. Which is a delightful uh, little scene, and actually had some really lovely. There's a moment of like really cool heart and sweetness and sadness to mm. it, which I, I really dug. Over in Dark Tower, the drawing of three, Bitter Medicine, number five of five, Peter David, Robin Firth, uh, Jonathan Marks are all working together to continue the story of Stephen King's Dark Tower. The Catet is assembling. Roland and Eddie Dean are now together. They're looking for the Dark Tower. You can join their hunt here in Dark Tower, drawing of three, Bitter Medicine, number five. Yeah. Idris Elba is going to be the, the guy. True. He's going to be movie. Roland. Yeah. yeah. I read the first Don't book uh, from the novels. And then. No spoilers. I'm still in the middle of it. They all, all eat pizza. All spoilers. On the moon. And then a taxi cab comes out of the Wild West. I knew it. Something like that. Uh, all right. Next book is Deadpool v. Gambit. The V is for Versus, number four. <laughs> written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. Art by Danilo Beiruth. Colors by Chris Peter. Uh, so when they say on the cover that this issue features virtually no Gambit and even less – no, virtually no Deadpool and even less Gambit. It ain't, they ain't lying. lying. No. And this uh, – the cover kind of tells you where you're going. And this was – I was shocked by this issue. I read it this you morning. You were scrambled? I was – no, I was shocked. Well, I would, no, Scrambled. No. I was not scrambled by the issue. Have you had eggs today? I can't have eggs. I'm allergic. You're allergic to eggs? I am. Huh. That's a separate allergy from wow. my dairy that's allergy. New, that's breaking news, guys. Yeah, breaking news, guys. I cannot have eggs. It was breaking news to my mom as well when I was on vacation <laughs> up in uh, Massachusetts last week, despite the fact she has known this for years. <laughs> stuff with eggs in it? Depends on the concentration of it. It's like a really small concentration kind of get by but it's, uh, they don't make me happy oh. which sucks because eggs are awesome yeah i totally endorse the eating of eggs this episode could be brought to you by the egg council egg council if you're listening give us some money sponsor the show yeah egg council we'd love to have you as sponsors yes uh so back to the issue at hand uh we've got the scrambler the scrambler which i thought was a brand new character but apparently oh, not existing member of the marauders he's been around since the 1980s he is a bad dude who can screw up your powers or screw up basically anything. His, his power is to scramble any system. That was like the perfect segue, by the way. What? Eggs, scrambler. Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We, wow. Yeah, we're, uh, that's, that's, we're professionals that's what, that's at this what, whole that's, thing. That's, you, you kinda, I think Thanks, you missed, Josh. Missed a step I'm glad you enjoyed there, it. Josh. I'm glad you dug it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. Uh, so Scrambler here, I thought he was a brand new character. Nope. Glad to know that he's he's legit. Uh, we get lots of scalp hunter in here. Yeah. Um, the time frame in this is really interesting to me because it goes way back, mm -hmm. but at the same time not so way back because I believe there's the scene at the beginning how Scrambler loses his hands. Yep. Um, it would appear that it's Wolverine and Laura. Yeah, X-23 at the time. I think this is one of those fun continuity ambiguity issues where we don't really think too much about what time it took place during. Okay. But it's essentially it's essentially Ben Acker and Ben Blacker apparently always wanted to write a scrambler story and now that they have a venue to do so, they give him the spotlight for an entire issue. Yeah. And this poor schmuck, he, you know, wanted to go the straight and narrow. But the Marauders would never let him. Mm -hmm. uh, and so 
He got caught up in a whole bunch of other business. This dovetails into previous issues of Deadpool v. Gambit, uh, and it, in m- numerous ways. One, in like an actual scene that we've already seen before, it comes to that. But it also ties into a big revelation uh, about characters that we've seen in the story and what's going on. And then we get wackiness with Deadpool and Gambit by the end. Like a page. Yeah. Don't oversell it. But... Because people are going to pick this up for Deadpool and Gambit and be very... Hey, pleasantly surprised by what they get. We're advertised. We're saying mm-hmm. these guys ain't in it much. No, not at all. You're getting the guy who's on the cover right there, Scrambling Wolverine. Scrambler. Yeah. So. So what do you think? Scrambler ongoing coming out of this? I would hope so. I would hope so too. Yeah. Uh, Civil War Two takes over and uh, takes over Guardians of the Galaxy number eleven. Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Valerio Skidi drew it. Richard Eisenhoff colored it. It is coming off the big win that the Guardians had over the Badoon. They freed Angela. They freed a whole planet of slaves. This is kind of their trip back to Earth, and it's one of those great Brian Bendis, what we do when we're not fighting kind of issues. So you got Ben Grimm, super excited. He's got a new love interest. He wants to go to the Bone Bone Zone. zone. With Ben Grimm, is it like the Stone Zone? Oh, you know? oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying there? We were, oh, when we were driving back from Massachusetts, um, my wife and I were listening to a lot of How Did I Get, How Did This Get Made? Yes. And I heard the Bone Zone come up multiple times. The Bone Zone proud, is going to rise proud. all the time. Uh, so back on the ship, they're debating whether or not they want to go to Earth. Carol Danvers is put out as just call and basically said, like, hey, I'm about to get in a fight with Tony Stark. Guardians, will you come and help me out? Uh, we get to see Rocket Raccoon playing Jenga as he says he doesn't want to go to Earth because Earth stinks, makes the good logical argument that he says, all of you guys are from Earth, and you're out here with me, so Earth must suck. I love <laughs> that, that logic. Because basically, like, I'm a curmudgeon. You're yeah. spending your time with me instead of there. Yeah. Obviously, it's better. Uh, if you want to get away from here. But, yeah, but everyone wants to go back to Earth. Um, Angela has a really nice speech about how they helped her out, and now she's, you know, beholden to the team. I want to know where Sarah is. Well, she says she has business on Earth, and I'm hoping that's what the business on Earth is. Uh, the business is getting business to the bone zone with Sarah. I also like the bit where uh, Star-Lord tries to get Kitty Pride to come back to his um, room. Yeah, and, oh, that's so good. And he's like, hey, I need to speak with you privately. And she's like, just tell me here. No, I prefer to tell you in private. Tell me here. And then Angela just flat out says, he's trying to lure you into his quarters for carnal copulation. Uh, so good. She says, thank you, Angela. You're welcome. But Angela's a great addition to this book. Th- that is really like that page mm-hmm. uh, and those particular panels are masterful storytelling in the dialogue. It's really mm-hmm. fun. But also facial expressions. The facial expressions and the Perfect. body language yep. is on point we then get a silent scene with star lord and kitty which i really enjoyed <laughs> and a silent scene with gamora and that was which is not no bone zone at all um they do eventually arrive on earth they catch up with carol danvers <laughs> in an unexpected way <laughs> I love uh it's a very funny book and it's yeah. a very fun book uh and they get they meet alpha flight and they get inserted right into the conflict but for the Guardians, there's something more important than Civil War II going on. Uh, Peter reveals it to Kitty in the last pages. It's something that's going to have a huge impact on Gamora. It's something that's going to have a huge impact on Drax and obviously going to affect the Guardians as a whole. Yeah. And it involves nudity. It does. It involves gratuitous nudity. Yes. Uh, all right. On to Han Solo. 
number three. Han Solo. It's pretty good. Thank Written you. by Marjorie Liu, pencils by Mark Brooks, inks by Dex Vine, and colored by Sonia Obak. And this is continuing the crazy race that they're doing. Um, Han is, uh, by the end of the last issue, all the pilots got arrested, and they're like, what's going on? And the Empire's there, and they're being jerks. Uh, luckily, the race continues. The pilots get out of there. Uh, the Empire still jerks. Uh, but it's getting more and more treacherous for all these pir- these pilots uh, to the point where there's a 12-hour uh, trip that they have to – 12-hour <laughs> leg of this race, which is basically – like they have to race at a certain speed. They can't go under it or they get disqualified. They have to last the entire 12 hours and they have to get through tons so it's like, of obstacles. It's like speed. Right. It's exactly, it's exactly like speed. exactly like speed. Yep. <sighs> Marjorie Liu, you genius. I love it. Uh, so they have to do this whole thing. And there's this gorgeous two-page spread, wow, which details uh, 10 of the hours of this trip. It's bonkers. It is Next level beautiful. This book is top to bottom. So fun, so cool, so perfectly Star Wars. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, 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 some mystery going on because there Han, in in addition to doing this race and wanting to be this best pilot, he's also he's also trying to uh, do a mission for Leia and the Rebellion, oh, and so. the the pieces are starting to come together. But there's a mystery, there's danger, and then there's this dude who, dude or lady, or maybe ambiguously non-gendered character that shows up at the end. And I non-gendered. Loved it. Yeah. So great. Hyperion will come after Howard. He's gonna come after Howard the Duck. Number ten. God, I get so excited. I know. So this book is insane. First up, Mm -hmm. uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Joe Canonis, starring. Hold on. Inks uh, by Joe Rivera, Mark Deering, Joe Canonis, Colors by Jordan Gibson and Joe Canonis. That out of the way, the first like five, six, eight pages star uh, Chip and Joe, two uh, producers in this crazy story. So basically the, the idea is that they're these, You got it. You got it. They're these aliens who are uh, directing – the various characters' lives in certain ways, and then those lives are being used to broadcast on the Mojo TV, mm-hmm. more or less, right? More or less. I think they're. I think they maybe Mojo is just one of the clients they serve. Sure. I think, but the general idea is that these aliens steer the lives of different characters so that they're interesting enough for broadcast. Yes. And they're named Chip and Joe. Yes, Chip and Joe. Definitely not analogs for Chip Zdarsky and Joe Canonis. No, not at all. Not at all. Also, they have a Biggs the Cat, yep. which makes me super happy. A normal Biggs the Cat, not a bionic Biggs the Cat yeah. like Howard has. Um, and uh, then <laughs> they meet a uh, sort of a, a, an executive producer slash editor type named Will. Yep. Uh, and Will is showing around Ta Nahi C. Yeah, who is another one of these aliens? Sounds who's familiar. Can't put my can't put my finger on. Not it. really sure where that's no, going. I'm not, not sure. Uh, they also run into uh, Erica yeah. and uh, what is this? What? How do they spell it? I think they say Rin. Oh, Rai. N. Right N, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely not Ryan North or Erica Henderson. Yep. Uh, also, Ryan N is just riding a hoverboard. Yep. And he's dressed like Marty McFly. Uh, like, 
if this I would I want this as an ongoing as an ongoing story. An ongoing series, like I would yeah. read that. I would be really really excited for that. But they are they're in a bit of a pickle with Mojo with everything going on and they are getting out of there to try and fix things. Uh, we go back to Earth where Mojo is uh, trying to get control of his star and get his production back underway. We've got a great scene with May. I love I love Aunt May's style yeah. in this. She just she's got a cool look to her. Um, you've got Biggs, Biggs the cat being just Biggs awesome. The robot cyborg cat. I yep. love him. He's just like we go home. Yeah. I want to lay on the couch. Yep. Tara the Skrull is one of my favorite characters. Spider-Man uh, is great in Howard the Duck. He's great <laughs> everywhere, but he's especially great when he shows up in Howard the Duck because he's just such a hard luck patsy for Howard's jokes. Hey, uh, Chip, I think, has a fun time just beating up on Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, we've got the Iron Punisher in here, which is a callback to previous story. Uh, this moment with Biggs that made me made my heart stop for a second, but it all worked out. Mm. Uh, just really, really fun stuff. Big battles, and then craziness by the end and i was like what is happening yeah there's one more issue left one more issue that was the penultimate and that segues into the ultimate issue of hyperion number six it's the final issue of this book it's written by chuck wendig art by nick varela and mark lemming colors by romulo fajardo jr uh hyperion has to deal with probably the snarkiest tony stark i've read in quite some time he is just throwing out jokes and jokes and saying how you know you killed my buddy namor i'm here to bring you to justice problem is hyperion's pretty darn powerful he's also got thundra with him so the two of them are able to double team iron man uh, hyperion does talk to tony long enough to explain that he has to take out a villain he needs him to take this girl doll to safety so he is going to talk tony stark is going to run interference while hyperion and thundra go and battle junior junior cannot be destroyed uh unless you get rid of every molecule of him so it's a quite a quite about for hyperion uh by the end of the book hyperion is basically once again questions his humanity and how much this whole experience with junior and doll and all of them has made him understand his adopted planet better yeah love that book uh we've got a marvel universe guardians of the galaxy issue out this week it's grandmaster versus the collector <laughs> episode is called space cowboys it's written by margaret scott and directed by james yang and adapted by our boy joe carmagna uh and it's fun it's super quirky and silly this Marvel number 10, tying right into Civil War II, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Takeshi Miyazawa in the current day, Adrian Alfona on the flashbacks, Ian Herring doing the coloring on this book. In the flashbacks, we get to see how Kamala and Bruno met for the really first time. Uh, it's super sweet. They're little kids, and it involves Bruno's parents not being around, uh, Kamala's parents being super cool, and Kamala and Bruno Kind of getting together. This is paralleled by the fact that Bruno is in the ICU now. He tried to free their friend from where he was being held by the cadets, and in the process, got himself some nasty burns and uh, some wounds and injuries from a bomb. Miss Marvel leaves him there. She wants to go and fix things. She wants to shut down the cadets. She's over this whole predictive justice thing. The cadets call in Captain Marvel, who comes down and basically gives Miss Marvel 
an ultimatum and basically says like, look, this is how we're doing things. You are on my side. You're my protege. I need you regulating this, making sure that things don't go wrong. But all Miss Marvel can think about is the fact that her best friend is still in the hospital and things take a turn for the worse that leave her completely distraught. Mm. <laughs> Over to Nova, number 10, written by Sean Ryan, art by Corey Smith. Sam Alexander dealing with the fact that he thinks his friends know he's Nova. So that could be a huge problem for him. Uh, they they know he's Nova. Well, he knows they know he's Nova. Well, he's not. Does he know they know he's Nova? They're saying he knows. Well, they're saying, but he's still thinking they might be guests. I don't know, man. It's a tangled web we weave. But he is uh, Nova. Heads out to a bar where he finds old Monarch Starstalker. That, that old favorite, cad. Our favorite, who appeared in Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy a few years back. He's looking for, that's right, the original Nova, Rich Rider, because he wants to get some information on how his helmet works. Rich, of course, has been presumed dead and missing for a couple years now since Ben just wrote that great story in Guardians of the Galaxy. Unfortunately, Monarch Starstalker is being chased by Smasher and Fang of the Imperial Guard, so Nova has to help him get away because he has the knowledge of where the last place Rich was sighted in, and once he makes his way to where the last place Rich was sighted in, he gets this flood of flashbacks all belonging to Rich Rider, but it has him in place of him, and then an old friend from the previous Nova series shows up, and I was super excited to see him because who knows what this means as far as what's coming next very exciting very exciting stuff going on in nova yeah all right on to rocket raccoon and grit number eight uh written by nick kosher or cooker uh kosher uh art by michael walsh colors by michael garland and this was a delight. It was wonderful. This is part one of the Bad Southern Pun Trilogy, Georgia <laughs> O'Thief. What? Yeah. I didn't even read that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at first it starts out with Rocket and Groot in the scene. So kind of ties into what we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy and we've seen in Civil War where Carol calls the Guardians down. She needs their help. And she's the Guardians getting debriefed. In this scene, it's them getting debriefed with members of A-Force and S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Ultimates. But it's Rocket sitting next to Blue Marvel. <laughs> and just, he's not paying attention. He's asking a bunch of questions. He's being very distracting to Blue Marvel. There was a moment in here that I lost my damn full mind <laughs> right in the beginning where uh, he's Rocket is distracting Blue Marvel. And Blue Marvel's like, shh. Did they just say my name? And Rocket's like, no, she just said Blue Marvel. He's like, I am Blue Marvel. That was great. Rocket goes, you're Blue Marvel? I thought you were the tick. And I (laughs) damn straight up lost it. It was terrific. Um, It's so good. Uh, Apparently, Ulysses then uh, sees something about baby powder getting stolen down in the south. And Rocket and Groot, for some reason, really want to go down there. Well, Rocket does. Rocket does. Groot's just along for the ride. Well, we could assume Groot's down to go. I don't think so. Rocket has to, like, persuade him to go. So I think this is a Rocket joint. Uh, But So Rocket, uh, Carol sends them off on this mission. Rocket tells a story of why they're going down there. Also, Rocket's storytelling. Yep. Uh, like Rocket telling stories is him embellishing in certain ways that when you read the book you will lose it. It's really it's very funny. funny because everyone says after they're done, why did you have to spend so much time describing your muscles? Yeah, 
It's great. It's so good. Delightful. Uh, but when Rock and Groot get down to where they need to go, looking for the guy they're looking for, boom, in comes Spider, uh, not Spider, uh, Gwenpool. Gwenpool. Gwenpool shows up. Making and her one of her first appearances outside of her own book. Yeah. she was in Howard the Duck, but this is uh, this is the big time. Yeah. And Civil it was, War II time. It was really funny because she's obviously breaking that fourth wall and having a lot of fun. Uh, she calls... The thing that I, the only thing I was like, huh, she doesn't know who Rocket and Groot are. Mm, she yeah. thinks they're Tree and Raccoon, which that, by the end of it, Hilarious. I just died. I loved it. She's, she keeps talking to Tree. Uh, it was really funny. She fights them. There's business going back and forth. There's these weird aliens. Uh, there's stuff with Captain Marvel. And, of course, all of the, the Gwenpool stuff. We'll see where this leads to. And then it gets really weird and really creepy dark by the end. And scary. Uh, but this was a wonderful surprise this yeah. week. What a nice uh, nice surprise to get. Uh, not so much a surprise. This has been a long time coming. Silver Surfer number six, which also is Silver Surfer number 200. 200 years of Silver Surfer. Yeah, Silver Surfer has been around since the 1800s. Uh, this is written by Dan Slott, art by Mike and Laura Allred. It starts out with not Silver Surfer, but Peter Parker, who's visiting Horizon University, the place he set up for his old Horizon Labs chums over in San Francisco. And they have discovered this weird new cephalod, scaly, uh, weird type of animal that adjusts to whatever your worst fear is. So in one case... Uh, one turns into Monkey Dollhead, which was this girl's like nightmare. Don't like that. And another one turns into Green Goblin. Over on the other side of town, Silver Surfer has brought Dawn to meet the mother who abandoned her as a child. Dawn has very mixed feelings on what's going on here. She's kind of mad at Silver Surfer, but ultimately decides she wants to meet her mom. The two of them have a heart-to-heart. While that's going on, these creatures have escaped all over San Francisco, and they're mimicking anyone who's ever fought the Silver Surfer. So this is a nice way to celebrate 200 issues. You had Spider-Man as a team-up. You had Silver Surfer taking on the likes of Doctor Doom, Fire Lord, Shalabal, Magus, Thanos, uh, Champion, Terax, High Evolutionary, Morg makes a cameo. Of course, yeah, Mor- of course he does. You can't do Silver Surfer 200 without Morg. I love the bit where Spider-Man says, don't worry, I took out the real Fire, Fire Lord one time. And Silver Surfer's like, uh, you're hilarious. Um, and he's like, no, no, seriously, I did it. And Silver Surfer's just like, your your attempts at Earth humor escape me. Uh, Dawn continues to tell her mom all about the cool adventures she's having with Silver Surfer. Then they go over to the park. Nice moment between Spider-Man and Mephisto, which I'm sure everyone will enjoy. And then they get all tangled up in these creatures. Dawn and Silver Surfer both do. They get wrapped up. Uh, Dawn gets badly injured. She needs a blood transfusion. Will her mom supply it, or does she have to go elsewhere? It's kind of a sad ending uh, to a sweet book, and we but we do get an uplifting message at the end. And really, this is just a celebration of this great new status quo for Silver Surfer. I could read a ton of these. Uh, I think Dan, Dan Slott's got it down. Mike and Laura Allred, who in the back of the book on the letters page, you get pictures of them accepting the Eisner Award Yay. for Best Single Issue. Yes, we can. It's all, <laughs> it's all very, very cool, and it all just makes you feel good. And you get a get cover gallery of every Silver Surfer cover up to date, all 200 of them. 200 years of Silver Surfer feels like a charm. Is that a phrase? Yep. Okay. Feels just like a charm. Spider-Gwen number 11 is up next. Written by Jason Latoura, by Robbie Rodriguez, and, and Lauren Affe. <clears throat> Lauren Affe. Uh, so, 
it, right now, Gwen still, she's down some powers. She's uh, she's having a tough go of it. She's trying to keep her dad safe. She's trying to stay out of uh, Frank Castle's way. And she's trying to still be, you know, productive and be a superhero, which is tough because the only way she's able to be a superhero is with some special uh, voodoo. Not voodoo, but like voodoo that you do. Machinations and uh, thank some, you for humoring me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some devices and some potion type stuff. Uh, so it's very interesting. She's trying to do that. Reed Richards is helping her out and thinks he can, you know, find a solution. Her Reed but, Richards. Yes, not our Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Yeah, it's just Reed. Um, it's, it's really cool. We get to see her thinking through like all the different things that she could do. She mm-hmm. might want to do. What she will do. Uh, Bodega Bandit Bodega shows Bandit up. gets fleshed out here more than he has the entire right? run of the series, which is yeah. great. Because that was much needed. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten a lot of Bodega Bandit, and now we're, we're getting a little bit deeper getting inside into his head. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but then by the end, we get to see Gwen she's making a decision. She's moving forward. Uh, and our cool handbook entry this issue is for Jean DeWolf. Mm-hmm. Which is dope. Uh, oh, also... Uh, and I said this on Twitter, but shout outs and awesomeness to Jason and the crew for including a Point Break reference in the issue. Yes. Spider-Man number seven, another Civil War II tie-in written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Nico Leone. Miles Morales is having some bad dreams, some nightmares, and they all seem to center around the Hulk. If you've been reading Civil War two, you know what's going on there. If not, you should catch up. Uh, well, that's happening. His parents are staying up talking because Jessica Jones had been hired to find out what's going on with Miles. Miles's mom tried to get her to reveal to her what's up, and she will just tell her that Miles is a good kid. She thinks there's something more to it. Then we get the return of Bombshell and her and Spider-Man having oh a nice God. little team up across the night. That was she's delightful. a great character. She is really good. I'm glad she's back. Uh, there's also like some really funny references and greatest mm-hmm. hits little bits uh, in here. You've got like the uh, Oz tattoo, the yep. Oscorp, the Goblin tattoo showing up. You've got Bruiser, who yeah. was a great villain who showed up in Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah, there's uh, there's some really just really funny little things thrown. Cool stuff, neat little touches. And uh, the next day at school, Miles is dozing off. Genki wakes him up like a jerk. He puts his costume on and has to go meet up with Iron Man, but he's going to be a little delayed because Jessica Jones is after him and she has brought a friend. Yep, yep, so yeah. a lot of trouble. Yes. Another Civil War II tie-in, Spider-Man 2099, number 14, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. If you were ever a fan of the 2099 run, its original run from back in the 90s. This book is basically a love letter to you. It has Peter David writing all your favorite 2099 characters. It's a fun little story. It really shows the potential of this line and how so many of these characters were really great ideas. May have come too soon, maybe came at the wrong time, but you get Ghost Rider 2099, you get Punisher 2099, you get Ravage 2099, you get a bunch of the Avengers from the Sea War series. Even get the introduction of Iron Fist 2099, who I think is new. Um, and through it all, Spider-Man is looking for Captain America 2099. He runs into Strange, Daredevil, Moon Knight. It's just all the 2099 you could want. There's a mysterious uh, person who is manipulating events, the new head of Alchemax. Is it me? It might be you. Is it me? It might be you. It's me. Um, they're trying to 
get all the super-powered individuals underfoot, and they have hired a surprising group of characters to try to enact that. Called The Family. The Family. It was great. I was like, whoa, what's yeah. up? Uh, all right, we've got Thunderbolts number four out this week, uh, and this has our Thunderbolts team sort of figuring out their next move. Uh, while they're doing that, the Squadron Supreme are tracking the Thunderbolts. They have figured out that they're... They, they think they may be up to something. They may be doing something nefarious. Nefarious. And to detrimental to Earth. And the squadron's like, we got to protect Earth, yo. And It's all we got. It's all we got. Uh, the business happens. There's this big old fight. And the Thunderbolts actually hold their own for oh, a yeah, while. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's uh, a squadron who are very powerful. Yes. Uh, very powerful. And Kobik throws a little bit of that Kobik juice in there, and we get to see some business happen by the end. Uh, it's cute. It's weird. It's dangerous. It's kind of scary, and we'll see where they go. Mm-hmm. All right. Uncanny Avengers number 13 out this week, uh, written by Jerry Duggan. I assume the credits aren't where the credits usually are. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Ryan Stegman, colors by Richard Eisenhoff. Uh, this is the first half of this book was really great. It's, yeah, it's really it's really a book of two parts. Yeah, I'm not saying that the last half isn't great, but the first half is Deadpool going to break Hawkeye out of prison because Haw- this is in the events of Civil War Two. Hawkeye and this is set before what is that issue four mm-hmm. of Civil War Two, where Hawkeye's trials happen. This is before the trial. Hawkeye's in jail. Deadpool goes to break him out. He's like, I get it. I know, I understand. Uh, there's just really cool fleshing out of their friendship, their relationship, mm-hmm. and their connections. Uh, pretty neat. And then the other neat half... Kate Bishop cameo, too. Yeah, neat, neat little Kate Bishop cameo. Uh, then there's another Civil War II connection, as Ulysses has one of his visions that involves Cable. This pesky guy and his visions. I know. Causing so much trouble. It involves Cable and mutants and... Uh, could be a really weird place for the Avengers to be in. And then the last page has two characters I was not expecting to see. Not at all. It's great. Not at all. Nice way to finish off the week. We've got X-Men 92, number six, written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, art by Alti Fermansaya, color art by Matt Mila and Dono Sanchez Almara. Ryan, do you have something you want to point to? I want to make sure we, we let people know that cameos and appearing in this issue are the Flaming Lips and the Toadies. Yep. That's in addition to a bunch of other Marvel Universe bands. Uh, do you remember Sugarcane? No. That was Chambers' girlfriend's band from Joe Casey's Uncanny X-Men. That is a deep cut. And that's what this book is full of, deep cuts, as the X-Men have taken on a job being the security force for a Leela Cheney concert. Did this not feel a little bit like uh, the concert at the beginning of the Executioner's song? song? It was ominous. I When I see a Leela Cheney uh, concert in public, I get very nervous. With Bishop on for, security? Yeah. I get I'm like, ver- whoa, boy, who's going to get shot? I get very nervous for Professor X. Um, while the concert's going on, a extraterrestrial ship flies by sword. Abigail Brand goes to investigate. Back at the school, Jubilee and the rest of the kind of Generation X, New Mutant, Ecstatics-type kids <laughs> are all under house arrest for punishment for the whole vampire nonsense that just went down. Wolverine's trying to tell Bishop to chill out. Then Death's Head shows up, and Wolverine says, Bishop, don't chill out. Let's fight Death's Head. There's a great fight between the X-Men and Death's Head, who is huge. Um, and there is uh, Fabian Cortez shows up out of nowhere, just kind of ducks in. Uh, it really did feel like 
in every loving way at 90s X-Men comic. Yep. It felt like all this crazy stuff's going on, all these little subplots are hatching, um, and there's a mystery villain at the end. It was fun. It just makes me feel good. I enjoy reading those. I'm glad Put you enjoyed a smile on my face. Yes. You should have smiles when you read comics. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. A lot of good stuff this week. Yeah. Um, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy. I really like Howard the Duck. I really like Rocket Raccoon and Groot. I really like Silver Surfer. I really, really like Spider-Man 2099. Um, I think I'm going to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. I thought it was a very well done book this week. Yeah, that's definitely up on the top there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am torn, so I'm just taking two because uh, I can do that. Per huge. All new Wolverine Annual number one and Rocket, Raccoon, and Groot number eight. Raccoon and Groot is so good. So good. So good and so unexpected. Um, Josh, what are you most excited to read? Silver Surfer, man. Silver He's Surfer for Josh. Oh, is it Silver Surfer Man? Is that our new character? Yeah. I just made him up. Yeah. Cool. Well, he belongs to Marvel now. Hey, I'm Silver Surfer Man. I just, I'm a man who surfs. I'm a man who has the Silver Surfer. Yeah. I just Look at him. him. He's in my pocket. Yeah. It's me, Silver Surfer Man. Collections on sale this week. A-Force Presents Volume 6. Black Panther, A Nation Under Our Feet, Volume 1, Deadpool Minibus, Volume 2 in hardcover, Doctor Strange, Strange Origin, Drax, Guardian of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Classic, In the Year 3000, Volume 2. In the Year 3000! Invincible Iron Man, Volume 2, The War Machines in hardcover, Jessica Jones, Avenger, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble, Civil War Digest, Marvel Universe Spider-Man Contest of Champions, Digest, Secret Wars 2, T-O-O, and Spider-Man Deadpool Volume 1, Isn't It Romantic? That Secret Wars 2 collection has got, like, waha in it. It's got, like, a bunch of the parody books that we've done over the last bunch of years. Love it. It's cool. It was really fun to see. Does it have Shame Itself in it? Yeah. Shame Itself is in there. It's got, um... I remember uh, that one. What's that? I remember that one. Yeah. It's it's got some really good stuff in there. Uh, Digital Comics on sale this week. The books we've talked about, as well as Ultimate Spider-Man Infinite Comic Number 8. And on the Marvel app, we've got Alpha Flight 9 through 11 and 13 through 19 from the original Alpha Flight series. Probably some Jim Lee art in there. I'd yeah, got to be. Some John Byrne action. Got to be. Yeah. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 414, Avengers and the Infinity Gauntlet 1 through 4, Captain America, who won't wield the shield, mm-hmm. number one, Captain Marvel 43 and 44, Excalibur, Mojo Mayhem from 1990, Galactic Guardians 1 through 4 from 1994. I don't know what that, that is. That was a Guardians of the Galaxy spin-off book. Oh. In the height of the 90s, the Jim Valentino Guardians of the Galaxy were popular enough that they could spin off another franchise to uh, have their own adventures. Who was in that? It was Martin X was the leader. Martin X is the, the crystal guy. Crystal guy. Uh, he had on his team, I remember he had Hollywood, who was Simon Williams, but really old. He had Fire Lord. Uh, he had Replica, Replicant, and a couple other people. I Be a Replicant, not a Replicant. replicant. Uh, and a bunch of other people. All right, we've got Generation X 71 through 75, Guardians of the Galaxy 40 through 50 from the 1990 series, New Thunderbolts 12 through 18, Sensational Spider Man 7 through 10. Silver Surfer 10 through 14, Spectacular Spider-Man 235 through 239, Spider-Man number 71, Spider-Man Team-Up number 4, Spider-Man Unlimited number 13, Thunderbolts 163.1. 
Thunderbolts. Ultimate Civil War, Spider-Ham, number one. Wahuh, number one. And then a bunch of what-ifs. What if Aunt May had died instead of Uncle Ben? What if Doctor Doom had become the Thing? What if General Ross had become the Hulk? What if Jessica Jones had joined the Avengers? And what if Magneto had formed the X-Men with Professor X? Hmm. All those from 2004. Digital Collections on sale this week. A-Force Presents, Volume 6. Black Panther and Nation Under Our Feet, Volume 1. Doctor Strange, Strange Origin. Drax, Guardian of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, Classic in the Year 3000. Volume 2, uh, Invincible Iron Man, Volume 2, The War Machines, Jessica Jones, Avenger, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Civil War, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Contest Champions, Secret Wars 2, Spider-Man Deadpool, Volume 1, Isn't It Romantic, Alpha Flight Classic, Volume 2, Counter-X, Generation X, Four Days, Excalibur Classic, Volume 2, Two-Edged Sword, and Spider-Man, The Complete Ben Riley Epic, Book 5. Yeah. On Marvel Unlimited, we've got... All new, all different Avengers number six. All new Inhumans number four. All new X Men number five. Amazing Spider Man 1.3. Angela, Queen of Hell number five. Daredevil number four. Drax number four. Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel's The Avengers. Hercules number four. Helen Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. number five. Kanan number 11. Karnak number two. Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, 2 through 16. Mm-hmm. Is that the 90 series? No, that is That's the original the original series. Right, right. We were looking at that the other day. Yep. Uh, Marvel Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, number 4. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 4. New Avengers, number 7. And Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, number 3. Hellcat. Yeah. All right. Give us some of that news. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's This Week in Right, you guys want to know more about Marvel now? Of course you do. That's why we bring some of it to you ben, this week. I want to learn more about Marvel now. Ryan, let me educate you on the series Black Widow, which we spoke to Mark Wade and Chris Somni about, as well as Daredevil, where we spoke to Senor Charles Soule about his plans for the book coming up in Marvel now. Over in games, Marvel Sum Sum is everywhere. Assume Sum Everything. Assume Sum. You've been playing Marvel Sum Sum. Assume Sum. You like it? Assume Zoom. There you go. I love it. Love it, 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 love it. Marvel Zoom Zoom's not alone as far as new releases this week. Angela joined the cast of Marvel Heroes 2016, the Marvel NNO, and Marvel Puzzle Quest. Black Widow got a new look, new costume. And finally, Avengers Alliance is launching Spec Op 36, which features Adam Warlock and the Magus. Wow. It's basically Infinity War. Whoa. Yeah, they have doppelgangers? Huge. I don't know. You have to play to find out. All right. They don't. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> Ricky and I, because Ricky, I don't think he ever read Infinity War. What? Last week we were talking about the doppelgangers. What's his problem? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't get that. Um. So we were talking about Marvel Sum Sum. There's a new episode of Marvel Gaming mm-hmm. going to be out this week where we show you a lot about Marvel Sum Sum. Uh, it's me playing with the uh, standout. Uh, charismatic video editor Brian Stevie. Oh man, I'm never gonna get my spot back now. Uh, no, he's actually he was a lot of fun. He's it was great to do it with him. Brian is a gamer, man. Yeah, he enjoys it. Yeah, he probably drinks dread dread bull and and dragon juice or whatever the the caffeine whatever sugar drinks that Poke- people drink. Whatever Pokemon. Yeah, he drinks Pokedex now. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but Marvel Tsum Tsum, super fun. And reminder, if you want. Have the Marvel MasterCard. Put that on your uh, Google Play account or your iOS uh, App Store account. Mm-hmm. Just put it in there because 
when you get Marvel Tsum Tsum, which is a free game, but say you want to get some more characters, orbs, whatever the stuff that you want to get within the game, if you have the Marvel MasterCard linked to those accounts, you're going to get 3% cash back there you go. every time you use it. What a steal. Right? You need it. it. Why you would you it. not want that? Why would you not want to get them the money back? You dummies. Right. Sorry, guys. No. It's get the Marvel MasterCard. Go to marvel.com slash credit card or marvelmastercard.com. Um, all right. What are we going to do? We're going to go to... The West Coast? I think so. I think I think we're ready. I don't know if the West Coast will have the new Wolfman, but maybe they will. Yeah, we'll see. That's Who's it. waiting for us, West Coast? Reveal yourselves. And then we'll be back with Twim URC. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Stromstein returns. I like that. With a special guest act. Of Harrison Wilcox. Hello, hello. Harrison Wilbur Wilcox the Fourth. Yes, yes. Um, normally, this is the bit where Wolfman will have talked with Wilcox. What happened to him? Uh, he skedaddled back to Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, wait. I think we gotta get closer together for his microphone to work. All right, Christine, roll in. <laughs> get the Stromstein like Romstein. I like it. <laughs> Did you workshop it or? No, no, I came up with it and everybody hated it, so I decided <laughs> to keep it. Would you like to eat some more jelly beans while you're talking? <laughs> mm. Yeah, sure. I'll Why not? Open it up for you. Steve Wacker's private collection. What? Uh, what are we talking about this week? What we got going? What we got? Spider Verse. It's yes. The Verse of Spiders. The Return to Spider Verse. Ultimate Spider-Man Season Four. Spider Verse. What are you guys gonna do for Season Seven? Spider Verse. I don't know. Stay tuned. All right, so this week, what we got? We got pirates and cowboys. We got pirates and cowboys. Webbeard and... Web, Webbeard the Sea Lord. Webslinger. And Webslinger versus Doc Ock Holiday. Do you guys just, like, sit around in a room and, like... Come up with ideas? Throw genres against the wall and see which ones mash together, and then you're like, yes, that one! Well, they're not mashed together. They're just one after the other. We're, mm-hmm. not, we're not doing... Just to clarify, we're not doing pirates and cowboys at the same time although now that we're saying it i think we just answered spider-verse for season seven of usm what about ninjas there should be some ninjas we talked actually about ninjas for this one but we did not have enough room why not we just ran out of space we had four episodes just make another episode (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand why this is i don't understand just keep drawing tell them to keep drawing i don't understand christine what questions do you have about spider-verse this is very early days. We're working on our routine. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh... Say something pithy, Stromstein. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's actually the, the, the typical reaction the first time you sit in a room with Strom. So. <laughs> I'm trying here. All thought leaves the brain and you just start giggling. But did, we didn't talk about Spider-Verse yet because Wolfman already left by the time this started, yes. right? We're, All right. So let's talk about Spider-Verse then. All right. We're going back to Spider-Verse uh, this season. Uh, and for those who were paying attention in episode three this season, uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange teamed up against uh, Doc Ock, who was working for Hydra with the Hydra sorcerer Baron Mordo. The bad guys were using the Siege Perilous to bring 
the goblin from Miles Morales' reality to our reality because he's the only goblin that ever was successful in killing Spider-Man. Uh, Miles Morales from that Wait, reality. Wait, you actually killed Spider-Man in your show? Well, season three, Spider-Verse, we went to Miles Morales' world and we saw uh, a world where Goblin hadn't killed Peter Parker, Spider-Man. That's harsh. Yeah. I don't know you're allowed to do that in kid shows. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so... Maybe I should pay more attention to our shows. You probably should. <laughs> or just pay more attention in general. <laughs> so That sounds like a terrible idea. Uh, so season four, the, the bad guys were using the Siege Perilous to bring the Goblin here. What happened is Miles Morales got trapped in our reality, and the Siege Perilous shattered. That happened uh, very early this season. Uh, and so now it turns out that the Siege Perilous, uh, the shattered pieces have been scattered across dimensions, and uh, realities are now collapsing against one another because the Siege Perilous pieces are trying to reform themselves, and by trying to pull themselves together, they're actually pulling realities together. So we start the, uh, the arc with... Uh, Peter Parker and Miles in uh, Aunt May's house, and uh, Spider-Ham shows up, Spider-Knight shows up, P- uh, Miles's mom shows up, uh, and then they sort of flash out, and all these sort of realities are starting to collapse on each other, so... It, it's like they're incursioning. There you go. So with the help of uh, 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 Madam Webb and Nick Fury, who have been missing all season, and as we saw in the Inhumans episode... Uh, they were up to something mysterious. This is what they've been up to. They've been preparing for this uh, uh, Siege Perilous event. So with the help of uh, Doctor Strange and Iron Fist in Kunlun, uh, Madam Web has been able to open a one-time sort of stargate for uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales to jump through, to go back through the different worlds of the Spider-Verse, find the missing pieces of the Siege Perilous, and reform them before all realities collapse and everything dies. Stargate SG-1 or Stargate Atlantis? I don't know what you're talking about. That's not a Marvel property. You said they created Stargate. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about, Strom. <laughs> well, oh, I'm sorry. When Wolfman's here, you are allowed to talk about nothing but Highlander for ten minutes, but where I'm here... When, it, has, when it does not relate to the show, yeah. <laughs> we can just randomly talk about anything. <laughs> but it, in no means whatsoever did we take an idea from another property. Uh, so... Last year, you used a lot of characters that were already there in the comics, and it feels like this year, it's mostly new characters, with the exception of, like, Spider-Gwen and Spider-Man Noir, right? Yeah, we thought it would be fun to uh, frame this Spider-Verse with different genres. Uh, So we, we go to sort of a vampire Victorian world. We go to a cowboy world, an Old West world. Uh, a pirate world, sort of goofy, cartoony pirate world. An old west world? An old west land, if I had to put it in something. Certainly not <laughs> west world. <laughs> I'm just trying. <laughs> just trying to get us sued. Every opportunity. You just want to keep our lawyers busy. You care about them. You don't want them to get bored. Yep, that's why. Uh, so, and then in the last one, we go back to... Uh, Miles's home world, uh, and and uh, I won't talk too much about that yet because that's not the episode that's airing. But we will there see uh, Spider Gwen. I think I got like a rip beard jelly bean. Yeah, I don't, I don't like rip beard jelly. Yeah, watch beans. out for those. Yeah. Um. 
All right, what else was I going to say? Well, so in this episode, the episode that's yeah. airing this week... we got Webhead and Webslinger. Webbeard and Webslinger. Web uh, so Peter and Miles find themselves in a pirate cartoon world, uh, very sort of uh, much similar to what we did with Spider-Ham uh, Season 3, and they find uh, a spider pirate named Webbeard, the Sea Lord, uh, voiced by Will Friedle, who does the voice of Peter Quill, Star Lord, on and the our boy, Guardian show, and the voice of the guy from Boy Meets World. Sure, <laughs> isn't he? If because our audience knows all about uh, young sitcoms from the early nineties. I never actually watched Boy Meets World. Well, you should go check it out. Does <laughs> uh, <laughs> does uh, all right? So that's Webbeard. What, what, and you said well. Web- also, the Guardians. Versions of the Guardians show up. They are his pirate crew. So we have pirate version of uh, of Rocket, of Cosmo, and the ship itself is the Groot. Does he just say Yar Groot? I think we might be going out on a limb here, but he does say I am Groot. Out on a limb? There you go. Like a tree limb? Yeah. <laughs> because he's a tree. <laughs> so. You uh, have the goofiest look on your face as you chuckle. Yeah. You, uh, you give the best interviews, Strong. <laughs> have I ever told you that? I just sit here and I ramble on. So, uh, that's the pirate one. In the cowboy one, we go to sort of an old uh, west world. And uh, there they find that the uh, the Spider-Man of that world uh, is the Web Slinger, and he is uh, sort of a, uh, a recluse. He, he's not, uh, as we would think, the sheriff of the town. The sheriff is actually uh, a version of Doc Ock, Doc Ock Holiday, who rules the town with the help of the mysterious Phantom Rider, who people might know from the comics. And uh, it turns out that uh, the Phantom Rider is a character very close to Spider-Man. Didn't Mockingbird kill the Phantom Rider in the comics? I don't know. Back, back during the Avengers West Coast time travel thing. I don't know. I think she did. Are you going to have that in there? No. Hmm. Considering I have no idea what you're talking about, it probably did not end up in an episode that we wrote a year and a half ago. So I'm going to go out on a limb. Have, have I have I told you about or have I ever done for you my pirate Christopher Walken? Please don't. <laughs> Let's save that for next week, when I remember to lock my door to my office. <laughs> no, next week I'm just saying Christine over here. Don't worry. Thank God. Um, there will be no Stromstein. Yeah, at I'm least we're so not talking about that uh, Titus Andronicus again, which is what we did last time you were here. Talk about Shakespeare for a good 20 he minutes. Didn't bring it up. I brought up Titus Andronicus on the walk here. Do you bring that just in every conversation he brings that up? It's the, it's the one thing he read in high school. <laughs> Why was I talking about Titus Andronicus last time? I don't know. Because of Titus, who votes uh, Nova villain. Oh, okay. On Guardians. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So that's Spider-Verse Part 2. Check it out. It's uh, what we screened at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh there's a lot of comedy in the first half, a lot of cool cowboy western action, cinematography in the second half, and a uh, tearjerker of an ending. And it's all airing this Saturday? Sunday. Sunday? I don't know. I, no, Saturday. Okay. Yeah. We're Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah. On Disney XD. Yeah. You should, all right, hey, at least I know the tune-in. Okay, good. That's the one thing. That and Titus. 
I did something here today. Good job. Okay. All right. Sorry, everybody. Stomstein out. Patrick, if you're listening to this, please come back. <laughs> Hello there. This is Kristen Horowitz. This is Christine Dent, Marvels.com's newest assistant editor. We're back with another full installment of Stromy and the Wolfman. But surprise, there's no Stromy, not just taking over. It's Wolfman 2.0. Name subject to change. Let's see what I've got for you guys this week. First, we got two clips from Marvel's Luke Cage, airing exclusively on Netflix later this month. In the first clip, we have Luke entering his boxing gym, and he's just, you know, looking for someone. And all of a sudden, a bunch of dudes just start throwing punches and shooting him up. What's the guy I gotta do to keep his shirts from looking fresh? Obviously, these dudes have no chill whatsoever. And then in the second clip, we have Street Level Hero, which explores how music moves the show. And, you know, you'll hear from individuals like Mike Coulter and Adrian on the Tribe Called Quest, Method Man, how each episode is shaped by the score and the musical influence. It's kind of like the OC, but, you know, in Harlem and with heroes. Next, we have a ton of new clips from Marvel's Captain America Civil War. Starting today, September 2nd, we have it available on digital HD. And then on September 13th, we have it on 3D Blu-ray, regular Blu-ray, DVD, VOD, and digital copy. I'm sure you guys have seen all the clips that came out this week. Like, what has Thor been up to? Um, what everything in Civil War is going down? Turns out he's in Australia, just hanging out with his roommate, Daryl. And then we also have another featurette on upcoming Marvel's Doctor Strange, where we talk about the whole mystical, magical side of the MCU. Head over to marvel.com to see some more. And then, lastly, we got a brand new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man vs. the Sinister Six this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Disney XD. It has Webbeard, the Spider Pirate, and Howard the First Mate. Let's get it over to our next se segment where Stromy and Harrison Wilcox in animation talk about part two of the Spider-Verse in this weekend's episode. Bye, guys. guys we're back and it's time for this week in marvel unlimited reading oh my god what a great read we had for this week uh this week was my selection and i picked spider-man craven's last hunt classic spider-man story from the 80s uh known as being one of the darker spider-man stories you think if not the darkest spider-man story um you know spider-man does not toss out a lot of wisecracks in this one uh to give you the overview Basically, Craven, uh, who is my favorite Spider-Man villain, as I've mentioned on the show before, um, he, how best to put this? So, J.M. Dematius writes this, and Mike Zeck draws it, and basically, in the in the 80s, by this point, I Can think- I, Hold on, sorry. Please. Give a shout to Bob McLeod. Yes. As well, the inker. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. if you, I couldn't get my unlimited work in the other day, mm -hmm. so I had and to- And he came and helped you out. Yeah, Bob came in, and he told he me fixed the whole story- it. Uh, I was looking at the trade, and in the trade, mm -hmm. they have pencil pages, which okay. are gorgeous, but you then look at the uh, the final like look of the book. Well, this is a book that's – this is a story that's not only dark in the sense that it's, you know, dark in mood. It's literally quite dark. Yeah. It's something where shadows and black textures play a huge role, so the inker is of vital importance. Yeah, it's Inker is Bob McCloud. Um, I can't find the – there's no credits pages mm -hmm. in these, which I remember looking at being like, where are the credits pages in the book? Um, I don't see them. 
but the the colors on this are also incredible. Yeah. The whole thing is a great package. It's it looks different than anything else. That if you look at other Spider-Man comics from the time, it looks completely different. Uh, Mike Zek was a guy who was known for you know really being able to capture mood and tone. Um, uh, in the credits on Unlimited, it says colorists are Bob Sharon and Janet Jackson. Oh, so, Janet Jackson. This is 1987. Makes this sense. Is like she was right at like getting right yep. to that height of popularity. Probably thought, you know, I can get a little more boost by coloring Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. Like and, this is a great way to promote Rhythm Nation. Yep. Uh, Scat DJ Scat Cat apparently nope. was he was doing letters. That's Paul Abdul. Right. Okay. Why can't DJ Scat Cat be doing letters? Anyways, <laughs> he's still an 80s icon. Uh, but. Nice that you call that out. Letters <laughs> listed in here, Rick Parker and Bill Oakley. I'm yep. pretty sure Rick Parker is the one credited mostly on the trade. Yeah. Rick Parker's lettering throughout this it's is great. bonkers. It's great. Continue. So that said, it's the total package creatively. Um, when we arrive at this story, I think this is what, like 1985 or something like that? This is 1987. 1987. Most of the Spider-Man villains of the early 60s I felt, and correct me if you feel differently, by the time we got to the 80s, they're kind of jokey. Like, it's kind of like when Doc Ock or Vulture, someone shows up, you know Spider-Man's going to beat them pretty easily. And it's only the new villains, like the Hobgoblins and the Venoms and the Vermins who shows up here, um, and the Rose and guys like that. Those are, those are the real threats, the new villains. The old villains were not treated the best in the 80s. Like, you don't... You can't find like a really good scorpion story from the 80s. At what point did Doc Ock realize that Aunt May was <laughs> inheriting a nuclear power plant and then decided to try to marry her and that, that whole storyline? That happened. was 70s. Oh. So that's like so that's, that's peak Ock. Yeah. I really do feel like there was a long period in the 80s and 90s where the classic spider-man villains were kind of treated as just not being threats and that's why you saw a lot of the symbiotes in the 90s uh you saw a lot of new characters when they did the clone saga green goblin was the one guy who kind of escaped it every time the green goblin showed up he was still a big deal and that's because of the personal connection was goblin green goblin dead though norman was dead but harry uh -huh. was the green goblin of the 80s and 90s got it so he was still a big deal when he showed up all that being said to me, this was J.M. DeMattius, the writer, and all of the people we mentioned who he collaborated with, taking a stand and saying, no, the classic Spider-Man villains still have weight. They still have danger. I'm going to show you how. Because Craven was never a threat on this level until this story. And obviously, the way it ends, he, you know, he gets to go out on top. But that's what strikes it most to me is that J.M. DeMattius said, all right, this is Craven." He's a great, like when he came out in the 60s, great design, very striking, cool gimmick. He's a jungle guy who hunts animals natural that he would hunt the spider. A Russian jungle guy. A Russian jungle guy. Uh, his parents were uh, wealthy Russian oligarchs. Ru Russian, Russian nobility. Yeah. Um, yeah. But James and I basically says, this, this, this is the kind of story that I feel like a lot of writers would have just said, all right, I want to do a dark Spider-Man story where someone really pushes him to the limit and buries him alive. You know, spoilers for the story you're supposed to have read. Um, you know, buries him alive and takes his identity and does all this crazy dark stuff. It would have been very easy to say, like, and I'm going to create a villain who fits this uh, this story I want to tell. But instead, 
Dematty has said, I'm going to take Craven. I'm going to take this guy who has been around for over 20 years, who has become something of a joke villain, who gets beat by everyone, gets beat by Spider-Man, gets beat by, I remember he was, I think he was in West Coast Avengers and they handled him really easily. Just generally not a big threat, but he's going to be the big threat here. And that's to me what makes this story work is that you have a villain who has 20 years of history behind him, 20 years of losing that when he basically says, and he reimagines it as uh, a guy who's suffering from like mental illness and someone who's going to take his shot. This is basically Craven taking his one shot and saying, all right, all those other times didn't matter. I'm going to get the job done this time and then I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it opens. I love the opening. The first panel is naked Craven mm-hmm. crawling. There's a lot of naked Craven in this. Yeah, I'm into it. I love it. Naked Craven is great. But he's crawling around in his little museum in his home with all his taxidermy animals that he's gotten. And he's like setting the tone right there from the colors, the pencils, the pose, the like the stark, scant dialogue. Mm-hmm. The vibe of it is just like this is he's turned a corner yeah and that was exactly to your point it's like this is a new this is the same character we know but there's something going on yeah um and i love it i mean just like every little thing you get so much of that history right away like if you've never read craven before this is boom you're right in there you get craven this is definitive craven um it's it's fascinating before we get even further into it i want to set up some of the stuff for where this is so this is 1987 Mm mm-hmm this is shortly after Peter and Mary Jane get married. Right, like almost immediately. After. Yeah, to the point where they still live in separate apartments. Yeah. Um, which, hey, maybe you guys could have moved in together to make sure that this all made sense. Yeah, sure. From a relationship standpoint, they really, like, this, this is just a tip for all of you guys out there. Live with your boyfriend, girlfriend significant other before you marry him and uh it just helps it's it's relationship advice josh josh think about that um my parents are very against that well that's too bad you're a modern man you say mom dad i'm i'm striking out on my own yeah i don't give a hoot what you say exactly yeah um you also they live in disgusting apartments both of them it's gross and like I mean, even then, New York apartments were expensive, man. And, like, she's not a supermodel yet. Yeah. I, it made me think of um, that Joe Pesci movie, The Super, uh, <laughs> where he is the super of his building. It made only you think of that Joe Pesci movie, The Super. I love that I would movie. love to hear if anyone else thought or has ever thought of that Joe Pesci movie, The Super, yeah. when reading any comics. But yeah. Because, you know, it's Slumlords and New York City and the 80s and all mm-hmm. this other good stuff. But yeah, so I'm thinking about that. Didn't they get married in Shea Stadium or something? Uh, yes. Well, they got married in Shea Stadium in real life. Mm. Um, they because I was gonna say that would be a little weird. Yeah, no, they uh, they didn't in in story they did not get married right. in Shea Stadium. They just got married at I don't know presumably the church. Yeah, and so this is something. what two years, year and a half out of also the symbiote. Yeah, original is, symbiote saga. This is he still has the black costume, but it's just a cloth costume. Yeah, which is like hey. That caused a lot of problems. Yeah. Why are you still wearing it? He just liked the way it looked, man. It's, it's very slimming. He liked let's, the style. Let's be, yeah. Let's be honest. Spider-Man had let himself go a little bit. Yep. He needed that black costume to slim him down. Yeah. But also, the black costume is perfect for this story. Oh, 100%. This story, 
I wouldn't say it wouldn't work with the red and blue costume, but would, it would not be nearly as effective visually. Um, just number one, when Spider-Man's sneaking around. And th- the other thing we got to talk about is this, th- this is a story that doesn't just elevate Craven. It elevates Spider-Man because Craven talking about what an incredible threat Spider-Man is really like makes him this larger than life mythical figure. And if he wasn't in that like menacing black costume, I don't know if it would work the same, but moreover when Craven takes over as Spider-Man, which he does in this story, he buries Peter Parker alive after defeating him and he becomes Spider-Man. Um, Craven in the black costume is super creepy because it's, oh, yeah. it's pre venom. It's just this slightly bulkier black Spider-Man just preying on criminals and, crawling around like a spider in his lair yeah it's nasty also craven at this point is in his 70s hmm. uh he he talks about that uh, is it does he, really? he, he actually mentions being his, being 70 or in his 70s at Jeez. one point in the story and he's gotten he's stayed really fit and and he uses jungle herbs and he whatnot. uses herbs roots Spices. poisons like all of, he's he is kids don't be craven don't do the jungle uh, roots and don't do the jungle spices. Craven is a master of botany in this story. Yeah. Craven's Dude mastery is... of botany uh, really comes into play. Yeah. He is on point. Um, I also, I, I wish I should have spent a couple minutes reading the previous issue or two mm. of Amazing Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man. Right. Just because I want to know why was Peter so beaten down right here because he talks about he's like he's got flu symptoms he's really tired he's not up to 100 percent at the beginning of the story like was he just sick or did something happen i don't i'm not sure like those should go back those previous couple issues probably you know like i don't know if there was a different kind of story but like this has him on the ropes to begin with which leads you know that's a dangerous proposition for a dude who's swinging around new york city this is also interesting and noteworthy in the fact that i think it may have been and readers please correct me if i'm wrong may have been the first crossover between the three books that ran this way Mm. because up to this point each book kind of had its own separate identity like web of spider-man was where this story would have typically taken place because web of spider-man was the dark book but instead of doing that they just took one creative team of Demetrius, uh, Zach, and the people they collaborated with, and they put them on all three books and made this huge six-part story, which I think was unprecedented at the time to run it across three different books. There was a gang war story shortly before this. I feel like there was always a oh, gang the Ned war Leeds story. Stuff. The oh, Ned yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. Ned Leeds that, just and that plays died. into right. uh, a lot of what Peter's going through. So that means he also just had uh, the team up with Wolverine. Oh yeah, because so the, that the was around. OGN, right? Yep. That I, I don't know if it's or OGN, it's a or just limited a, series. I think it was. I think it was a one shot. It was Spider-Man, Wolverine. It was a comic Germany. book of some sort. Yeah, it was. I feel comfortable saying it was a comic book. Yeah, a graphic fiction <laughs> story. <laughs> Words and pictures used together in the name of storytelling. But yeah, a lot of crap had just gone down and happened to Spider-Man. He, I think this is one of the last adventures he has the black costume on because I know Mary Jane makes him get rid of it not long after rightfully so i yeah. mean she was terrorized like that, that's is, what i don't get it's like dude your your new wife would really really appreciate you not wearing she this wasn't thing. really terrorized by the black costume until it became venom i guess it was more just he realized it, it was more just he realized it was an alien and he got rid of it 
it was i think the really like traumatic stuff that you're thinking of doesn't come till a little ways after this when venom shows up and suddenly the black costume is this avatar of terror i think before it was more just like oh this thing's an alien get it off of me Ooh, Ooh. creepy heebie-jeebies but yeah so to get to the central point of this we've said it kind of danced around it but yeah craven takes on and defeats spider-man he buries him alive he leaves him there for two weeks he takes over his identity he fights the villain vermin who was a guy who previously spider-man needed captain america's help to beat and they touch on that many many times so basically they're like this is someone that spider-man could not beat on his own craven goes and soundly defeats him he cages him and then you get the creepiest stuff in my opinion Mm. like as creepy as the buried alive stuff is when spider-man comes back when peter comes back he crawls out of the grave tracks down craven and vermin and craven is just in this smiling serene everything is great like and he's super polite it's so unnerving he's like i have vested you yeah let us be friends now. Yeah, it basically is. He's really polite to me. He's like, you know, you go and stop Vermin. I'm not going to stop you. You know, I'm a man of honor. And this is where the, like, the, you know, Craven having a code of honor thing really comes in. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So just to give you a little background, uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Spider-Man v. Is, Wolverine. Is the, the one shot. He stands for versus. Right. Um, that's the story with Ned Leeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Wolverine Spider-Man story. Yeah, and I think he's the foreigners in, in there. The foreigner. The Maybe. foreigner is also in another like a previous uh, issue. He's in that the mix. Right yeah, I feel like time. the foreigner was was a big thing in Spider-Man of the eighties. Yeah, but in this story, it's interesting. So this would have this came out in January of okay. or published published is January eighty seven according to Unlimited. The Craven story is like the summer. Okay. Um. So there's just a couple of months. Spider-Man, I think they, what did they go to, like Germany or something? Yeah, they're in, in Germany. Story. So he's wearing the red and blue costume mm-hmm. for whatever. I think he has to take he a gets, knockoff. Yeah, he gets a knockoff right. red yeah, and yeah. blue I, costume. It's been a while since I read it. I remember because I have the issue of Web of Spider-Man where he fights the looter and he still has the uh, German Spider-Man costume on. Oh, and someone unwrapped. Yeah, it's like Dice Spinai. And uh, yeah. and some woman rips it off, and he has to go get a new one. Right. And they ask him, "Do you want a red and blue, or do you want a black?" <laughs> uh, but so that yeah, that's right in this mix. Mm-hmm. It's just it's right there. So yeah, that's the the stuff that's leading into. It's a, a tumultuous period in Spider-Man history. It's to date, other than say when Gwen Stacy died, probably the roughest period in Spider-Man history. Probably the most he's had to endure. Do we say maybe? So I don't know really anything about Ned Leeds. I know the name. Right. Ned Leeds was a reporter for the Daily Bugle who married um, Betty Brant. So basically he initially came in, was introduced as a rival to Peter for Betty Brant's affections. And I think that was pretty early on. Like, I think he was introduced pretty early on in the Spider-Man strip mm. um, as, as, like I said, a rival to Peter for Betty Brant. When Peter is no longer interested in Betty and he's moved on to Gwen and Mary Jane, Ned becomes a friend. They work together. And then at some point, he is outed as the Hobgoblin. And it was kind of weird because he wasn't, an, he wasn't intended to be the actual Hobgoblin. Um, we, should some, we can sometime read the Hobgoblin Lives story for a future Twim URC. But basically, retcons take place later on. You find out that he wasn't the original Hobgoblin. He was just a pawn 
the hobgoblin framed as being him. But at this point, you legit thought he was the hobgoblin. Like he had just been the hobgoblin and he'd been killed. And that throws Spidey like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. One of my enemies is right next to me. Right. He's like this he throws his whole worldview. Yeah, it's, into he's super autism. paranoid. This is the first time I mean, it kind of throws him back to the days of Norman Osborne, Norman Osborne being his best friend's dad and also being the Green Goblin. All of a sudden one of his close allies from his personal life again becomes a villain in his superhero life. So He's definitely at a vulnerable point for Craven to come and prey upon him. So, like we said, he gets buried alive. Craven does the whole thing. Craven is it, it's it's Craven is serene. He is like unsettlingly blissful. Yeah. Um, as he sets Vermin free, sends Peter Parker to go chase over him, and then commits suicide. Yeah. You. There are some things I, I definitely wanted to hit on mm-hmm. in. It, before we get to that. Okay. One, Craven going out and being Spider-Man right. is intense. It's very intense. There's the so all, all right, and even before that, uh Mary Jane going out. Mm. I got to say I'm a little bummed with the Mary Jane of this yeah. era because she's like I'm just waiting in in bed for yeah. Peter. Oh, where is Peter? What is Peter doing? It's like, no, no, you're friggin' Mary Jane. Yeah, you're I kinda, awesome. I liked when she went out to find him because she was being proactive. Right, but she immediately became like a damsel in distress. Well, she was. A, it's a victim. She yeah. immediately turns into the victim. These two dudes, and you know, like they're they're supposed to be villains and gross and right. nasty, and it's it's awful. Uh, and then Craven shows up, and he just bashes the one dude's head right into the wall. Right. And it was like, her reaction was my reaction. It was like, whoa. Well, it's crazy to think like, all right, I'm out searching for my husband. Oh, there he is in his black Spider-Man costume. Wait a minute. He's slightly bigger. Yeah. Wait a minute. He just tried to kill that guy. Yeah. Like, he, there's no time to process. Yeah. And at this point, he's he's been gone a couple days. Yep. Um, and it's just like, whoa. And then Craven goes and breaks up like this gang thing. Just full-on breaks the dude's neck yeah and like that part i was like ah that is intense because you don't expect to see that especially in a spider-man comic no it was it was completely and not only that you don't expect to see it in a spider-man comic you frankly don't expect to see it from craven who is this villain who's been around since the 60s and has never really harmed anyone in a major way because those villains aren't known for like if it was venom you'd be like oh yeah of course venom's gonna you know bite some guy's neck but Craven, no, he's one of the old guard. He's one of the, you know, kidnap the the love interest, but that's about as far as he goes, villains. Yeah. So we got all that. Uh, we get And the Vermin stuff I found fascinating because mm-hmm. Vermin is one of those characters that I knew best from, like, trading cards mm. as a kid. Like him and Puma, <laughs> uh, which I've always loved Puma yeah. from his, like, I think it's a Series 2 Marvel Universe Puma's trading cool. card. Puma's a cool character. Great. I only know him from a train. I literally, I don't think I've ever read a Puma story. Yeah. But I've always thought he looked cool. Yeah, he does look uh, cool. But Vermin, like, is, I, I didn't realize his origin till this, where he was, like, experimented mm-hmm. on by Baron Zemo, mm-hmm. uh, which, super bummer. And, like, you get that, a little bit of feeling of sympathy for this guy, but at the same time, revulsion and anger and, like, he's scary. Yeah. And, like, they do a great job of turning what is just a rat man yeah. into a really intense villain for Spider-Man. And I like the idea that, like, Spidey couldn't have beaten him on his own no, he recently. Helped. He needed help from Captain America, 
uh, or in this case, a help from Craven. Yeah, I mean, he does ultimately once Spider-Man gets back, he, he his big redemptive thing is that he tracks Vermin to the sewers and does defeat him yeah. on his own. So Spidey gets to have his big hero moment. Sure, hundred percent. But then when he goes back to find Craven, yeah, Craven is of course gone because, as we mentioned, Craven takes his own life. Yeah. And like d- a craven coward. Mm. Let me see what I did there. But I mean, the thing with Craven uh, and with taking his own life, again, we find out he's mentally unbalanced. They make a big point of the fact that there's a history of mental illness in his family. Which it probably it's all exacerbated by all the jungle roots and poisons Fair. and and spiders that he's been eating yep. and ingesting. Probably not good Can't for recommend one's- it physical and mental well-being right just putting that out there right but you guys should eat really well get lots of sleep and try to you know maybe get some exercise but his attitude is basically like everyone has he basically says everyone has their own spider like the spider is this evil thing that you're pushing against that's ruining your life i have now defeated my spider i have nothing more to do so i'm going to end my life i have no more hunts to undertake but it was pretty controversial at the time that they full-on show, I mean, they don't show the actual deed, but you see him right before, you see the blood on the picture. Yeah, the blood and, on the picture is yeah. the last panel from issue from the fifth part. And I think of you story. see, like, the body slumped before in the Before that, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think right before that, you see him in, in the coffin, slumped over, and that's gruesome, mm-hmm. but it was more affecting seeing the, the blood photo on the of him as a child with yep. the blood. Oh. It's very, very powerful stuff. Yeah. And it's why... Craven um, was a character who stayed dead for a long time. He was not, you know, immediately brought back. He was eventually brought back, um, but he was a character who was kind of hands off for a while. You know, we tried new Cravens and other things like that. Did we? Yeah, his kids. He had like two oh, sons right, who both right. became. Craven. I remember the one of the sons had that like Hollywood yep. book. Yeah, I liked that book a lot. Yeah, get Craven. Get Craven. Yeah. Yeah, that book was really good. That was, like, early aughts when that yeah. came out. I mean, he was eventually brought back within the last five years. Well, yeah. During th- the Grim Hunt storyline. Yeah, there's a, a one of the collections, the Dan, it's like Dan Slott, maybe Mark Guggenheim. I think Joe Kelly wrote this one. I think he wrote okay. the, the one where Craven comes back. Okay, maybe, maybe you're right. I, just, I remember in the series, uh, in, like, a giant series of collections, um, one of them is called Craven's First Hunt. Right. I think that's the story of, of the daughter of the daughter Anna, Anna Craven okay. being introduced. Craven's First Hunt is that, and then Grim Hunt is where they bring Craven back from the dead. Right. And I remember, you know, being here and even talking around here, like there was a lot of controversy over, mm. do we want to overturn Craven's Last Hunt? By I don't think it, it. I I don't think it overturns it. I no. think it. This still stands as an incredible story. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I know it was one of those ones. It was the same as when Ed Brubaker brought back yeah. Bucky. It's like, if you have a great story to bring him back, bring him back. And I think the feeling at this time was Craven's a great character. Uh, they barely had scratched the surface of him when he was killed. And he's come back and he's done some cool things. Um, he's uh, become a manager at Pizza Hut. Yeah. He uh, has gotten his... Uh, what's that thing at Best Buy? His the GED? Uh, no, what, what, when you, not the Genius Bar. What's the, you know, when you go to Best Buy, you got the... Help Desk? No, uh, their version of oh, the, the Help Geek Desk. Squad? The Geek Squad, yeah, geek he's, squad. A, he's an official Geek Member Squad Member of the leader. Geek Squad. Yep. He's actually, I think, honestly, his some of his best appearances since he come back has been Squirrel Girl. Oh, I he's, love him in Squirrel Girl. He's great in Squirrel Girl, and I think Ryan North actually nails kind of like the nobility yeah. and the... 
um, the honor of his whole deal, which is just funny to think that go from Craven's Last Hunt to Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is about as 180 as you can go. But it's, uh, it's true. Uh, and before we get to questions and comments from you guys, uh, we got to talk about Mike Zek. Mm. Mike Zek on Incredible. The whole art team. So you got Mike Zek, Bob McLeod, oh uh, the colorist, uh, Ms. Janet Jackson, uh, everybody in here. I like that. Ms. Janet Jackson. Yeah. Uh, isn't colors. it Ms. Jackson if you're nasty? Ms. Jackson if you're nasty. Yeah. yeah. And we ain't nasty. Ain't we ain't nasty, Janet. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and um, Bob Sharon uh, and, of course, J.M. Dematius. But, mm-hmm. man, Mike Zek, this is what? So this is Secret Wars was two years before. Yep. And he worked on a bunch of Secret Wars. Yeah, he did most of Secret Wars. Yeah. But this is like next level craftsmanship. Like, he probably had yeah. a lot longer to put this together. Well, also, if Secret Wars was his opportunity to, hey, you get to draw every hero in the Marvel Universe, this was a, hey, there's only really three major characters in this story. Focus on them and really get to the meat of what makes Craven especially he does the best Craven oh my god anyone has ever drawn yeah. um there's a Joe Jusco trading card that's pretty good too <laughs> but um other than that yeah no one can touch Mike's ex Craven yeah it is it is unreal there's the whole story and it's great because you're it's six issues mm-hmm. across three books three three different series same creative team yep and it's just beautiful it's, it's fluid great. it's intense and it's great storytelling uh, so good. So, so good. good. All right. We had two commenters, but they both left us a lot of comments. So let's get to them. Uh, number one is Don DJ Fanko says it's time to start the weekend with some twim URC. That Friday feeling is in full effect. Then he has a picture of uh, the books we selected. Um, Marvel is this post secret wars black outfit and pre venom. Probably a safe assumption since I don't see any McFarlane pencils. And yes, this is, uh, post secret wars like we said he's discovered the symbiote he's gotten rid of it but the symbiote is not yet in venom yeah this is um so this is about just a f- few short months before venom yeah this, this is this is venom comes soon after it's like this. 298 or something like that when we start getting venom yeah, which what there's no, 293 and 294 yeah. of amazing spider-man so it's i mean like, first full venom is 300 and yeah, he starts showing little, yeah you get teases and yeah. the issues beforehand um, by the time comments are read, you have probably already recapped the time frame. You guys are that good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hashtag that good. Thank you, Don. Though I don't fully get the reference to Ned in the first issue, especially on the heels of Peter visiting Joe Face. Is Ned a reference to Ned Leeds, who died in Spider-Man vs. Wolverine? Or is this Ned Ryerson? Uh, that Needle would be Nose a Ned? Are you talking <laughs> about Needle Nose Ned? Ned Ryerson? Uh, yes, because that would be a doozy. That is a Groundhog Day reference. Did you get that, Josh? I knew you would. I knew you would. Right. I've watched that twice this year on two different plane trips. Sail over my head. One of my favorite movies. Um, It is a great movie. I haven't seen it in ages. Um, Ah, yes, there it is. The end of the first issue, Ned Leeds. So we have DJ Fanko answering his own questions left and right. Wow, that first issue sure ends with a bang. How long was there between the cliffhanger first chapter and the second? That's a good question. We think these are coming out weekly. It's it's probably a mix between one and two weeks. Yeah, because this is just this just happens over two months. My timeline was just a little off. It looks like it's October or November okay. of 1987, but still, 
So you've got six issues over two months, so you're getting one issue next week or two weeks after you get yeah. on the next one. It's right. bing, bang, boom. I'd imagine it was a tough wait at the newsstand local comic book store to find out if Spidey was really dead and buried. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... you yeah. got to get your comic shop news and see what's right. up. Right. I mean, yeah, we didn't talk much about the fact that the cliffhanger of the first chapter is Spider-Man being shot. Shot Seemingly to death. Yeah. And, and even Peter's... Uh, Spidey's like, wait... This isn't what you do. Yeah. What is going? Wait. Th- like, this, this is not your. This is not deal. you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That was intense. It was very intense. The writing in Web of Spider-Man was pretty spectacular. Nice pun there. Craven has a clear perspective and motivation. Yes, I think mm-hmm. that is exactly what we've been trying to say this whole time. Yeah. The grave digging and references to death were some powerful foreshadowing, flashback, parallelism, with a huge payoff. Web of Spider-Man 31 was just so heavy. It was amazing. It's the sort of thing I felt from my first read of Watchmen. Hashtag high praise. Uh, I like Watchmen. Yeah. I like this story more. Like being totally, like if I had to be totally impartial, mm-hmm. there are things about Watchmen now that I'm just, I'm, last time I read it. Right. I don't, ha- I don't, I couldn't get into it as much as I did when I was younger. But this stands up. This was, it knocked yeah. me on my butt. I find it very interesting that Web of Spider-Man 31 is all about death, and Amazing Spider-Man 293 is all about fear, Cravens, Mary Janes, and Vermins. I like that. I like the chapter titles, too. We didn't talk about those. Yeah, so at the at least on the covers, uh, part one is Coffin, part two is Crawling, uh, part three is Descent, part four four is resurrection mm-hmm. part five is thunder that's my favorite yeah and part six is ascending so it's, yeah. it's great the like the arc perfect. oh, so perfectly and and i think this was uh, for a long time before it was called craven's last hunt this is also referred to as fearful symmetry hmm. um which is part of the poem that craven reads yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and the one he dies about the spider and fearful symmetry spider spider burning bright yep yep Throughout Amazing Spider-Man, there is always either a rat or a spider on the page until the chase with Mary Jane. Then there is only a spider. Very observant on yeah, DJ Panko's part. Uh, this is stuff that we, we missed. Uh, it kind of makes me wonder if this issue was for the fans who truly feared that Spider-Man was dead and gone. Because then even the reader is facing their own fears by reading and is, in a sense, part of the story. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, just wow. Every issue in this series has a huge momentum build from the first title page to the cliffhanger. The incidentals at the grave are pretty amazing throughout, especially as Spider's muster for Peter's exhuming. Yeah, there's just, I mean, those panels are so small, but it's like one spider. Yeah. And there's two, then there's more, and like, just, ah, it's so good. It's twisted how Craven put Peter in the ground just to prove himself a superior. Yeah, I, I, I caught on to that uh, mention as well. Yeah, that's... Doc Ock did a good job, but Craven did uh, did the whole deed first. The angry, unhinged Peter leading up to the final fight seems so out of character, but I blame Craven's epic trolling. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> if you can define this as trolling, then that's it's, that's intense. Something. Still, it was a re- relief as the Peter progressed from a base, angry disposition to his selfless, well self. Yeah, I mean, he's the dude's just come off a near-death experience mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. Yeah, it's. When he managed to save Vermin, I think the person he really saved was himself, and he had to get out of the muck and into the light. 
hashtag it's a metaphor it really <laughs> did feel like when he crawls out of the sewer and they're in the light and this is again credit to the art team it felt like whoa this is a whole different story yeah. taking place they're like out in the broad light of day mm-hmm. suddenly vermin's not quite as scary and there's the whole thing and, and you also bit. fear vermin's like fear yeah. uh, you feel vermin's fear Absolutely. at that moment when he's like wait what am, what's going on yeah. Despite everything that happens, I love how the arc ends with Peter at his best, the selfless hero. I'll never forget Craven's epic level of trolling. Minimal conversation, bellowing atop an elephant. Yeah. Hey, man, you got an elephant. You got to get atop yeah, that. Use it. Penelope Cat says uh, he hasn't read this story in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was Spider-Man 31? Is this the first time Craven's true age had been revealed? To my knowledge, I, yeah. I would think so. Um, I don't think it was a story point before that. I no. Think it was just, you know, he's an older guy but yeah. and it made it, it made it more impactful mm-hmm. for him and like how he's been doing this for so long all that good stuff uh also do we think craven is totally naked under in the suit oh yeah yeah no question yeah, yeah. whatsoever yeah craven always likes to be as naked as possible god bless him Penelope Gat says, after squirrel girl it's impossible to look at craven and wonder does alliance face even work that way <laughs> great uh Penelope Cat says Issue 293 of Amazing Spider-Man. Mike Zek does such a great job with the wordless sequences. He's such a master storyteller. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of pages with very little or no dialogue, mm-hmm. no narration. But it, you are never lost. No. It's fantastic. Uh, the MJ sequence here really gives a sense to how much she must worry. If anything happened to Peter, would she even know? Which, we could. it's not in Unlimited, but the what-if issue... Mm. Uh, that is connected to this. What if Craven had really killed Spider-Man? Right. Like it, it has, it takes that to, you know, it touches on a lot of these story points, the same sequence of events, but mm-hmm. like keeps going. Mm. It's, it's great. Um, we should always include what if issues I wish. for our, uh, to me, our I know we don't have enough in the yeah. system. It's, it drives me nuts. Um, Penelope cat says, um, my brother is a cop and I worry about him all the time, but at mm. least he has people looking out for him knowing where he is. Yeah. Uh, and MJ is catcalled by the two least macho ah. looking street thugs in the history of ever. Hey, you know what? It's a different time. Does it? That's a lesson to not underestimate your, the people out there. Anyone can look like anything and still be great yep. or still be terrible. Still be threatening. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Gat says, I remember reading an article about this story, that it was origi- originally intended to be a six-issue run of in oh, web miss, miss or spectacular. One. Miss oh. one said, Spider-Man doesn't make an appearance this issue to reassure us he's alive. Imagine if the internet had been around at this point. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about that this was originally intended I think to I, be? I think I had heard it was initially intended to be a six-issue in web because web, like I said, was where they did this type of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the reasoning for why they made it a full-on crossover instead. Hmm. Um, Penelope Cat says, if Spider-Man had been active in his other books during the story, it would have weakened the suspense mm-hmm. and impact considerably. That's a great point. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we know Spidey isn't going to get killed, but it's not immediately immediately clear how he's going to get out of this mess this time. Um, Spectacular 131, that moment with Vermin and the female cop. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. Very. Yeah. yeah. I, I did have a little bit of a problem with, like, women constantly being attacked and and uh assaulted victimized you've got mj you've got the woman who's just walking down the street Mm -hmm. and vermin pulls her off um you've got the cop Mm -hmm. like i was like "Eh, come on guys yeah but i i don't know 
Uh, Web32, the story flew right by. Love the reunion moment between Peter and MJ. Uh, ASM 294, Craven declaring himself a superior hmm. Spider-Man made me smile. Does he actually say he's a superior he Spider-Man? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, I wonder I wonder if that's where they got it from. I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Dan, Dan knows all. And Dan, knows Dan is right every single Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. so it, it's possible. Spectacular 132, a fantastic coda where Peter beats Craven by being compassionate to Vermin and also beating Vermin, finally. He says, I have to say I'm not familiar with Vermin. Was he really Spider-Man's one big failure that Craven beat him by succeeding? I would not say he's Spider-Man's one big failure. I would say at the time he was a recent failure. Yeah. And that's what made it work. And he was in the news. Like there was like, oh, this cannibal killer, like yep. all this stuff. And Craven could prove himself. Yeah, it, in, in in immediacy. It was more convenient at the time. Yeah, the immediacy is what's important. Surely, yeah, Spider-Man has had worse failures than not beating Craven by himself. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Cat says, I remember originally reading this and being impressed that they actually killed Craven. It felt very final at the time. Mm-hmm. I get that serial comics need their ongoing character, but rereading it this time, some of the impact is lost. Still a great story. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I, I, it's still very impactful to me. Yeah. The fact that he's back does not change it for me because, and part of that is because, not to get too into Grim Hunt, the story where he comes back, but he comes back like pissed off that he's been brought back. Right. I remember Basically, that. Yeah. I, and that to me was the twist that was needed where he says like, look, I, I live my life. I did. What, I deserve my final rest. I went out the way I wanted yeah, to exactly. go out. And he gets pissed at the people who brought him back. Yeah. Um, Cat says. If it had turned out that Craven had never really died, that would have really lessened the impact. But he still did what he did. I guess I can't read superhero comics complain about shock twists and resurrections, all part of the game. No, I mean, it's fair to, it's fair to, to have your, about, yeah. your opinions and stuff like that. Um, we all got them. He says, I love how J.M. DeMattius manages to incorporate the great character and philosophical stuff he's known for into his superhero stories. Yep, DeMattius is very, very good. Yeah, speaking of DeMattius, it's like, you look at you read this and it's like wow, and then you read something like all of his uh, pairings with Keith Giffen yep. and you're like wow because yeah. those are so, so fun yeah so and, fun and light uh, it's just he can do everything yeah he really can uh, uh, it says one of my favorite J M Demadius themes is that victory doesn't necessarily mean beating someone up mm-hmm. he says yes Spider Man does beat up Vermin at the end but his victory is that he doesn't go as far as Craven and promises to get him help. Yeah, it's, uh, even the cops comment on that. It's like, yeah. oh, he's he's helping this guy. Yeah. It's great. It's a good cop voice. Uh, I want to say stuff about the art, but saying Zek is fantastic here is like saying the sky is blue. Say it. Say speak it. it. Because not everybody knows. Shout it to the heavens. You got you to let people know. Mm-hmm. He says, I can't remember what Mike Zek did after this, beyond a creator-owned crime series with Stephen Grant. I miss his work. Me too. Yeah. You know, we had him by Marvel back in the old office. Oh, yeah. I don't remember why. I was just like, oh, Mike Zach, yeah, come. Mike Zach is the man. Hang out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was Punisher before this? I don't know. I think it might have been was right. It in between Secret Wars and this was Punisher? Might have been. I know this is, when's the Captain America annual with uh, Wolverine? With Wolverine. Gosh. It's it's, in, it's it's all in this it's like all, it's all period. yeah it's all around the late eighties yeah all right um, let's see Penelope Guy says overall a classic Spider-Man tale that has withstood the test of time and deserves its classic status great choice mm, I He's, thought so uh, lastly he says I missed the last couple of Twin URC discussions but time because time got away from me really glad to try to stay up on top of them for now there we go all good speaking of staying on top of them the next one we're gonna do uh, we're gonna 
let Strami um, off the hook. He's got a really busy schedule the next couple weeks, so we're going to keep going with it. Our next choice is all-new Ghost Rider. Right. Oh, are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking oh. at you like anything. Okay. I was waiting for you to say it. Yeah. All-new Ghost Rider. It's perfect choice. Robbie Reyes is going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Trad Moore, Felipe yep. Smith. It was recent, but it was really, really good. Uh, hopefully, we're going to try to get a special guest to help us talk about it, yep. and uh, we'll really tear into it. Yeah, it's exciting, and it, you know, if you've not read it, then now is the time you need to read it. Yeah, we want to get you caught up a little bit on on who the character is, so you have some understanding going into watching the new season mm-hmm. of Agents of Shield. And if you've already read it, it's a good primer. Let yeah. us know your thoughts. Uh, especially, I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts on the art because yeah. it's a very wild style for Marvel, and I very love different. it. Very different. So good. It's a lot. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap. Well, thank you guys for uh, chiming in with your comments on Craven's Last Hunt, and we look forward to hearing what you've got to say about all-new Ghost Rider. Yeah, say it. All that. This is Marvel, your universe.